0: Let's take a look at Genesis chapter 7. Then the Lord said to Noah, Enter the ark, you and all your household, for you alone I have seen to be righteous before me in this time. You shall take with you of every clean animal by sevens, a male and his female, and of animals that are not clean, two, a male and his female. Also the birds of the sky by sevens, male and female, to keep offspring alive on the face of all the earth." For after seven more days, I will send rain on the earth, 40 days, 40 nights. I will blot out from the face of the land every living thing that I have made. And Noah did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. Now Noah was 600 years old when the flood of the water came upon the earth. Then Noah and his sons and his wife and his son's wives with him entered the ark because of the water of the flood. Of clean animals and animals that are not clean and birds and everything that creeps on the ground, there went into the ark, To Noah by twos, male and female, as God has commanded Noah. Came about after the seven days that the water of the flood came upon the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on the same day, all the fountains of the great deep burst open and the floodgates of the sky were opened. The rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. On the very same day, Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, The sons of Noah and Noah's wife and three wives of his sons with him entered the ark. Then every beast after its kind and all the cattle after their kind and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind and every bird after its kind, all sorts of birds. So they went into the ark to Noah by twos of all flesh in which was the breath of life. And those that entered male and female of all flesh entered as God had commanded him and the Lord closed it behind them. Then the flood came upon the earth for 40 days, and the water increased and lifted up the ark so that it rose above the earth. The water prevailed and increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. The water prevailed more and more upon the earth so that all the high mountains everywhere under the heaven were covered. The water prevailed 15 cubits higher, and the mountains were covered. All flesh that moved on the earth perished, birds and cattle and beasts and every swarming thing that swarms upon the earth and all mankind. Of all that was on the dry land, all in whose nostrils were the breath of the spirit of life, died. Thus he blotted out every living thing that was upon the face of the land. From man to animals to creeping things to birds of the sky. And they were blotted out from the earth. And only Noah was left together with those that were with him in the ark. And the water prevailed upon the earth one hundred and fifty days. I remember I say child of about 10 years of age, we had a hurricane hit our area of Pennsylvania. We didn't often get hurricanes in that area, but uh, this one was a severe one. It had come up the coast, uh, didn't make landfall until it came to New Jersey, and then it just swept across New Jersey as if there was nothing there because in actuality there's not much there in New Jersey, (laughs) just uh, a a lot of flat land that it came across, and it hit with full fury in Pennsylvania where, where we were living. Uh, I, I still remember the torrential downpour. I remember I, we, my bedroom was up on the third floor. It struck at night. I remember looking out the window, watching the big maple trees swaying back and forth and wondering, are they going to come crashing down on on the house or, or what what's going to happen to us in this? We lived about a half a mile from a creek uh, Uh, It was one of our favorite places to to wander as kids. We would go fishing there. Uh, Most of the time, there were places where you could walk, wade across the creek. It wasn't really a a major creek. It it did have some nice swimming holes in it and so forth. But uh, when we got up the morning after the hurricane hit, the creek was, there was about a quarter of a mile of, of pasture land and then a quarter of a mile of of forest between us and the creek. When we got up, the creek was lapping at the edge of our driveway. The water had come up that, that much overnight. We, we watched as houses and trees came floating down, crashing into bridges and bridge abutments and so forth. It was a fantastic experience for a 10-year-old. We, we just loved it. The, the, the only bad part about the hurricane as far as we were concerned as kids was it was late August. School hadn't started yet. So we didn't miss any school because of the the experience, but but we 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 got to to see much of what was was going on in the next several days there. But you know as severe as that flood was and that hurricane was, it was nothing compared to what we read about in Genesis chapter 7, the the, the great flood that God sent in Noah's day. And yet as we read this account, I think we need to praise the Lord that Noah was safe. Noah was in the hands of God. In Isaiah chapter 43, we read these words. But now thus saith the Lord your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched nor will the flame burn you, for I am the Lord your God. Noah was safe in the hands of his God. And we want to look at the story from Noah's viewpoint here this morning. uh, But, you know, we will never go through a flood like Noah went through. We may go through some local floods, but God has promised that he will not destroy the world with a flood again. But you ever have those times in your life when you feel like You're in the midst of the storm. When you feel feel like you're going through the flood, maybe it's health issues. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's family problems that, that creep into your life. You just feel like you're about to be overwhelmed by the waters. What an encouragement it is to realize even in those difficult times, Isaiah says, they're not going to overwhelm you. God will be with you through it just as he was with Noah. So let's look at it from Noah's viewpoint here this morning. The first thing we see is the command. In verse 1, God said, enter the ark, you and your household. A rather simple command. All he had to do was walk up the gangplank into the ark and uh, everything would be all right. And yet I wonder, was that that an easy step for Noah? Do you ever wrestle when God asked you to take a step of faith? Do you ever wrestle with that? you want want to try and figure it all out how is it going to work out what what is god going to do uh when when we face the uncertainty of the future sometimes god says i want you to take that first step and we sit back and try and analyze it and we sit back and say lord you you, you don't mean me you, you you mean my brother but but certainly you don't mean me uh, there are times when god says you need to walk by faith and i think There was an element of faith that was necessary for Adam to walk into that ark. He knew the reason. Verse 4 says that God was going to send, in seven days, he was going to send the flood upon the earth. But did Noah understand that? Did he know how serious it was? I don't know. And yet he took that step of faith and he entered the ark. And then, did you ever notice after he entered the ark, he waited seven days that 's a long time to wait, isn 't it? You ever get impatient with waiting for God to to send an answer in, in your life Now, I, I realize sometimes he stretches it out more than seven days, but uh, why wait seven days? I think it was time for them to get settled in the ark, get everything in in its place, and so forth. said, well, would it take seven days for that well, we 've been in this building since vacation Bible school, actually, last year is the first time we we used this room. Some of you are still getting settled in. You're still trying to find that little place that's yours, that you sit in every week. And uh, that takes some time because you want to try out this side. Then you want to try out that side. You want to try out the middle till you settle on this is my spot. And hopefully no visitor comes and sits in your spot. (laughs) Uh, We we, we struggle with that. Uh, We're still trying to find a place to put all of the stuff that we've accumulated over the years. Uh, I'll, I'll use the term stuff instead of junk this time, but uh, we're, we're, we're still settling into this building after several months. And yet uh, Noah only had but seven days before the, the, the flood came. That led to Noah's choice in verse five. Noah had to choose. Am I going to actually enter that ark, am I going to walk up that that gangplank and, and settle into what God is asking me to do? now I realized that no,ah was a preacher of righteousness I, I realized he had shared the warning with others, and I realized that only his family responded. Would you walk up there with just eight people would Would you leave everything else behind that that's what God was asking him to do there. Uh, we might say, well, Noah, you didn't do a very good job of preaching. What, I mean, only seven other people follow you there, but I like what God says about Noah in Hebrews chapter 11, verse seven. It says, by faith, Noah, being warned of God about things not yet seen in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household by which, which he condemned the world became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Noah had to make a choice. Do I enter or don't I enter? God didn't reveal the full outcome to Noah. Now, A year later, he came to realize the outcome, but it it was a step of faith on his part. And I, I think there's a message in that for us. We are encouraged in scripture to be faithful. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse two, it says it's required of a man or a steward there that one be found faithful. We're not called to be great. We're called to be faithful. We are called to take those steps that God asks us to take, irregardless of whether anybody else takes that step with us or not. Irregardless of what others are choosing to do, we have that choice to make of walking as God reveals to us. Uh, You ever struggle with that? You, You know, you work with kids and you wonder are they really listening? how are they going to turn out? What what choices are they going to make down the road? I uh, One of the problems with working with kids is sometimes they move away or you move away. You don't have any idea what goes on in the rest of their life. I, I remember when we were missionaries in Canada, we were living in the parsonage actually of an evangelical free church. We, we, uh, we, I was not pastoring the church the 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 pastor of the church had his own house we needed a place in town and uh, the the church graciously said you can move into our parsonage and and live here if you're willing to teach the uh youth group and so hey that that was a great opportunity that's a small pr- price to pay for rent we we had a, probably about 20 kids every Sunday morning that would be in our living room and, and uh, have chairs circled around there we, we I would would teach the, the lesson to them. And you often wonder what happened to those kids because a couple of years later we moved away, uh, our mission moved us away, and, and we lost touch with most of them. The interesting thing about that was years later, twenty, almost 22, 23 years later, my th- youngest daughter was attending Providence Bible College. And uh, one of the courses that she had to take was first semester Greek and so uh, she put it off to her senior year and finally s- uh, signed up for the Greek course and uh, the, the, the teacher of that course started the first day by asking everybody to introduce themselves. And he went around the room, they told who they were, where they were from and a little bit about their life. Came Vicki's turn and she said, well, I am Vicki Work and uh, and the teacher stopped her. And he said, your parents were missionaries in Quesnel, British Columbia. And he began to say things. About, and Vicky was getting a little bit worried at that point because he was sharing things that she didn't even know about us. And how did he know so much about us? Uh, that's not a good way to start out a course. And uh, finally he stopped and he said, well, the reason I know so much about your parents is I was in their youth group years ago. Now, I had no idea what had ever happened to Ed. He said, the reason I am here today is because of what your parents built into my life back then. What a, to us, a remarkable story. We, I, I never got a chance to meet Ed again at, at the school there, but uh, it was a real blessing to know that God is faithful. He asks us to be faithful. And we can, if we are faithful, we can leave the results in his hands. And he will take care of, of that for us there. Uh, you may be called of God to share the gospel with somebody in your family. Have you ever found it hard to share the gospel with family members? They, 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 you know the reason for that? Is they know you too well. <laughs> Uh, they, they know the, the rough edges. They, they, they know the problem. You can share with a total stranger easier than you can share with family members because a total stranger is not going to bring up, do you remember what you did last year or, or a few years ago or, or, or whatever it may be? But sometimes God asks us to share, and we walk away failing, uh, feeling as if we didn't do a very good job. We didn't get the response. We wanted. Be faithful. Just do what God asked you to do and leave God to handle the results. Leave them in, in his hands because he can do a better job than, than you can in, in that area. That led to the consequences here. Noah and his family were saved because of the faith of Noah. I like that. It doesn't say how much faith Noah's wife had or his children had, it, it speaks of the faith of Noah. He impacted his family. He saved their lives because they were willing to follow, in a sense, follow dad in, in this case here. Uh, Hebrew says not only was his family saved through faith, but the world was condemned as a, a result of that. And I don't know about you, but today I want to th- thank the Lord that Noah was a man of faith. Have you ever stopped to realize that the reason you're here is, one of the reasons is that Noah took a step of faith. Where would this we be if it wasn't for Noah? I, I, I know individuals that like to boast of the fact that their ancestors came over on the uh, Mayflower and different uh, uh, ships and so forth from, from the from Europe and so forth. I, I can't say that. My ancestors came over on an immigrant ship years ago. I don't even know what the name of it was. Uh, my grandmother was born on the way across the ocean, but uh, I can honestly say my descendants came across on the Ark. Uh, I'm here today because of their faith, and so are you today. Uh, I, I don't care what a ship they they came on. But I think there's a warning in that today. There's both an opportunity and a warning being issued here because you notice as Noah and his family entered the ark, God shut the door. He gave them the opportunity. Noah had been a preacher of righteousness for years. The opportunity was there, but there came a day when God said, the time is up. You've had your choice. You've rejected it. In John chapter 14, verse 6, we, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He has made salvation possible for you and for me today. He has extended that offer of salvation to us. In Acts 4.12, he says, There is no other name given under heaven whereby man must be saved. The opportunity is there today for us to accept Jesus Christ and enter into eternal life. If we reject that, the day comes when God closes the door, when God says it's too late. We praise the Lord that this is still 2 Corinthians 6, 2. This is still the day of salvation. This is still the day of grace. God is still speaking to hearts and lives. But there will come a day when God says judgment is coming upon this world. We as we look at that, celebrate the opportunity to come to Christ. But we should also heed the warning. Don't put off till tomorrow what needs to be done today. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, you need to do that now. You have no guarantee of a tomorrow. You don't know when God is going to be the one, in a sense, to, to shut the door. We'd like to make our plans for the next several years. But that's just simply our plans. We don't have tomorrow, we have today. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your savior? I I know individuals that have said, I'm gonna wait till I am old uh, to make that choice. You don't have any guarantee of getting old unless you're like me and you're already old. (laughs) Uh, But uh, we don't have a guarantee of tomorrow, we have today. And the way is open, the opportunity is there We need to, in a sense, take that step of faith and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives. Well, we want to look just briefly at the chronology here of what takes place. We'll see more of that next time. But if you read the full account, this chapter and the next chapter, you'll notice that five times there's a reference to a time frame here. I think that's important. I think God put that in there for a purpose. If this was a, a myth, as so many are saying today, somebody wasted a lot of words putting in those particular times and days and so forth. I, I think God put them in there for a purpose to establish the the reality of what is taking place here. The time frame is based on Noah's age. We can't coordinate that with a, uh, 0 AD or 0 AD or B, the end of B.C. and so forth there. It, it's all based on, on Noah and Noah's time. Uh, we, we find, first of all, in the second month, the 10th day of the month, the 600th year of Noah, they entered the ark. Seven days later, the flood came. Forty days, 40 nights of rain. But they actually were was in the ark. We'll, we'll look at it as we get into chapter 8 next time. They were actually stayed in the ark until the uh, 601st day of Noah's life, the the second month, the 27th days. Now, if you do the math there, they were 377 days in the ark. That's a long time to be cooped up in a boat. I know some of you love going on cruises and so forth, but 377 days of a cruise, that's that's stretching it. I, I can do 24 hours. But I'm not sure I'd want to do 377 days uh, uh, with all the animals and everything else that that, that you're cooped up with there. I I think we need to wrestle with that for just a minute. Uh, Do you ever struggle with patience? Some of you're not in your head some of you are honest the rest of you you 're not willing to be honest with me today, but we also we all struggle with that. Hebrews chapter ten says we all have need of patience i I think one of the things that that tries my patience more than anything is red lights. Why should I be the one that have to stop at a red light why, why can't they all be green for me that that's a total waste of time yeah well, I, we were driving down to vision Friday and and we we got I think it was to Francis, and here comes a a fire truck. And evidently, they can trip those lights and and go through the lights. And from that time on, every light was out of sync. I think we stopped at every red light until we got downtown. uh, 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 Fortunately, I wasn't driving. Ginger was, but... uh, that, that just tries my patience a, a little bit there. And, and I'm not the only one. How many of you got impatient with the, the snow this year? Yeah. Got tired of it, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Got impatient waiting for it to come. Yeah. Uh, and then we just had a few days of snow and people start complaining. Now you're complaining about the rain. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice to have some sunshine out there? Here we are cooped up for two or three days. Uh, I, I was really encouraged this morning. I won't mention his name, but somebody said, "I'd rather it would be snowing than rain." <laughs> uh, I, I had to agree with that. Boy, we're, we're missing a tremendous opportunity here. If this had all come at snow, it, it'd have been great. Uh, in just a few months, some of you are going to be complaining. Uh, It's too hot. Yeah. You, You ever notice how frustrated we can get with the circumstances of life? And then we come to Philippians chapter two, verse 14, where Paul said, do all things without murmuring and complaining. Now, I won't ask for a show of hands this morning, but I wonder, did you do some murmuring and complaining this week? You did, didn't you? (laughs) I can see it on your faces. You don't have to raise your hands. We've all done that. I I wonder if Noah did his share as well. Here we are, another day in this old ark. (laughs) Got to do the same thing, go through the same routine again. 377 days of it, and there was nothing he could do about it. Life's like that. We, We face those times. Why do would God say do all things without murmuring and complaining when we're faced with those kind of situations? Well, if you take the time to read Philippians 2 there, you go down just two verses farther. It says we do that so that our light might shine in a sin darkened world. God will take us through the flood. God will take us through the fire in a sense so that we can be a testimony to somebody else, so that we can minister to someone else's life, and we can miss that opportunity with our murmuring and complaining, so if God sends snow this week, I don't want to hear any complaining about it, let's just take it from the Lord's hands and and be blessed in it, Uh, I don't think he's going to do that, but um, next year, that leads to the catastrophe, we'll look at more of this later, but in verse 11 he says, the fountains of the deep were broken, the, the floodgates of heaven were, were opened. The fact of the matter is, we just do not know all that was involved in that. Uh, Henry Morris and John Whitcomb have written several books on, on the flood that you can read and, and, and study there, but uh, the end result was a worldwide flood and the evidence abounds for that flood even today. Uh, many societies around the world have an account of the great flood I remember hiking up in one of the mountains up in Alaska. And as we got up near the top, we found petrified wood. We found fossils of shells. How did they get up there on the top of the mountains? Well, God said there was a flood that covered the mountains. Were they that high back then? I have no idea. Only God knows that. But uh, I, I know those that are into evolution like to speak, well, it all happened over millions of years. The only problem with that is, how many of you remember Mount St. Helens when it blew up? Yeah, that was back in 1980. That's not that long ago. And yet, in just a few days, few hours, it carved out a tremendous canyon. In a few days, there was petrified wood in the lake that, that was there. There were gemstones that were formed Uh, I I have a feeling that evolutionists don't like to speak very much about Mount St. Helens and what took place there. If they wait 100 years and people forget about it, they can put their dates on there and so forth. But uh, they can't do that today because there's too many people alive that that actually witnessed what, what had happened there. Don't ever underestimate the power of God and don't ever doubt his word. If God says it, it is true. If God determines to do it, nobody's going to stop God from doing His will and His plan. In in the midst of the chaos and the destruction that was there, God was there, and God was involved in, in that process. And that leads us to the comfort. And we're going to come back to this next week. And I didn't take time to read it this week, but notice verse eight or, or verse one of chapter eight. I, I, I don't know why they have to throw the chapter divisions in. They, they do. Uh, it says in verse one, but God remembered Noah. I like that phrase. God remembered Noah in all that was going on, the, the flood, the destruction, the judgment, everything that was taking place there and must have been in God's mind. God remembered Noah. Now that word remember doesn't mean that he had forgotten him and, and then suddenly called him to mind again. Well, we'll look at that again next week. But, uh, It speaks of the idea that God was caring for Noah. We read about that in Isaiah 43. Uh, When you go through the floods, you're not going to go through it alone. It's not going to overwhelm you. Why? Because God is there. Uh, Psalm 23 goes so far as to say, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Why? Because he is there with us. He will walk through that that valley with us today. I I have observed that many times sitting by the bedside of someone that is going home to, to be with the Lord. There's that confidence there that God is there. And God is walking through that experience with them. Hebrews chapter 12 says, or excuse me, chapter 13, I think that should be in verses five and six. He said, I will never leave you I will never forsake you. No matter whether we're going through the flood, the fire, the trial, it doesn't matter what it is. As one songwriter put it, through it all, I learned to trust in Jesus. Because even in the flood, God was there. You are never beyond his reach, never beyond his care. He never forgets you. You may at times feel all alone. You may feel like, nobody understands what's happening in your life, but God does. God is there, and he will walk through that experience with you. It demands faith on our part. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk not by sight. We walk by faith. There are times when we have to take that next step of faith, but we take it with the assurance that God is there. How can we be so sure of that? I think The the final thing that we need to see here is the cross of Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 8, he speaks of the fact, if God didn't spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not freely with him give us all things? If you ever doubt the love of Christ, look to the cross. Look to the one who gave his life there on the cross for you. Peter uses that as an illustration in in 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, a difficult passage for you to wrestle with, beginning in verse 18, it says, Christ died for sin once for all, the just for the unjust, in order that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison, who were once disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water corresponding to that baptism now saves you and I, I'm not going to expound on that passage today uh, he's not suggesting there that we're saved by baptism baptism is a picture of what has taken place when we've accepted Jesus Christ as our personal savior just as Noah had to enter the ark we have to make a choice as well uh, it, it, the actual physical baptism, merely reflects the, the spiritual baptism that's talked about in Romans chapter 6. When he died, we died. When he was buried, we were buried. When he was raised to walk in newness of life, we were raised as, as well. We entered into that with Christ there. But the fact of the matter is, as we approach the end of this age, judgment is coming upon this world. Not a judgment of, by flood as, as happened in Noah's day. God's made a specific promise to Noah that that would not happen again. Peter speaks of a judgment of fire that is coming. But, you know, as as we think about that, keep in the back of your mind what we read at the beginning of Isaiah chapter 43. We go through the flood, he's there. We go through the fire of judgment, the, the fiery judgment, he's still there. He's there to protect us, to deliver us. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, it speaks of the fact that the Lord is able to deliver the godly out of that temptation there. But as we think of the story unfolding here, and we'll come back to it again next week, but as we think of the story that unfolds here, a couple questions come to mind. Have you entered into the salvation That God has given to you. Noah had to enter into the ark. A step of faith. Have you taken that step of faith? That offer of salvation. God has made a way of escape. Made it possible for you to have eternal life. But like Noah. You have to enter. You have to take that step. And accept Jesus Christ. As the Lord and Savior of your life. If you haven't done that. You need to do that today. You, you need to enter in a sense, enter that arc of safety and protection that God has offered to you today. And then if you have, are you resting in the fact that God is right there with you in the midst of the flood, in the midst of the fire? Whatever it may be, the trial you may be going through today, do you honestly believe you're not alone? Do you honestly believe that God is walking through that experience with you? Or are you entertaining worry and and frustrated with what the Lord is doing or doesn't seem to be doing in, in your life? Are you resting in his care today and in the promises that he has given to you, knowing that the full realization of those promises awaits eternity? Are you looking forward to the day when you're going to be with him in glory? And then one other question for you to wrestle with. Is God asking you today to take a step of faith? It may be to enter into the salvation that he's offered to you. It may be to take a step of faith in a a new direction, that he has something different for you in your life, something that he has planned that, that maybe you're just beginning to be aware of. And I don't know about you, but when God asks me to take a step of faith, I like to have it all figured out. I I like to know what's going to happen tomorrow and the next day and six months from now. And yet I have found over the years that sometimes God says, you take the first step and then I'll reveal the second step. Yeah, you find yourself in one of those spots today? Are you trusting in the fact that God knows what he is doing? God cares about you. And as you take that step, That God's going to be there for the next step and the next step and the next one. Are you trusting in the Lord who has brought you safely to this point in time and who has promised to bring you safely home to glory? We can get upset, we can get frustrated with the trials of life, or we can leave them in God's hands and enter the ark, enter the place of safety, knowing that our God is there for us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, We just want to stop and thank you that Noah, as he entered that ark, was safe. We want to thank you that you've opened the door to salvation for us. And when we go through that door, we are safe. We are secure in Jesus Christ. And Father, if there's someone here that hasn't made that choice, I pray that you would challenge them today to acknowledge that they are a sinner to ask you to forgive their sin and ask you to come into their life. And yet, Father, most of us have made that decision. And yet there are still times when you say, I have a step of faith I want you to take. Give us the courage to do whatever it is you are asking of us today so that you may be glorified in and through our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing together near to the heart of God.